Hello, hello. Happy Wednesday, Shannon. How are we? Hello, we're back again. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. What's your day been like? Oh, it's been good, thank you. It's been a really busy one, but it's been good. Enjoyed it. How has yours been? Good, good, good. Yeah, do you know what? Actually, I spend my days on back-to-back calls all the time, and today's been a little bit nicer. It's been a little bit more relaxed, so yeah, enjoying it. Well, that's what we like to see, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So what are we talking about today? Tell me. Well, today... I always say this, it's a biggie. All of us is a biggie, to be fair, so take that as you will. <laughs> um, today we're talking about copyright and intellectual property, or IP. We'll probably refer to it as IP throughout the whole episode, so I thought I'd get that out at the start. Um, so this is a really good one, but before we get into kind of talking about copyright and IP, I thought it'd be good to talk a bit about our legal leverage framework, Babs. Um, yeah. So- this is a really so this is guys this, we've been following this on the podcast and kind of on our social so I'm just going to pass it on to Babs to kind of explain a bit more about what it is yeah so the legal leverage framework like it's it's pretty much why we named the podcast the legal leverage podcast and it's because in our humble opinion um, these are all the the key areas the key framework the key foundations that you need to have in place as a small business owner or startup to make sure that you're properly protected as you grow and scale your business now there may be some little eccentricities. There might be some things that are particular to each type of business. But if you have all the things in our legal leverage framework sorted and done properly and in place, you have won the majority of the battle in terms of legal protection. Now, our legal leverage framework kind of comprises a few different elements. Um, there's kind of set up and making sure that you're properly protected in that sense. Have you picked the right legal structure? Have you protected yourself with your business partners if you have any um have you dealt with the proper registrations do you have the right insurances in place then it moves on to client contracts terms and conditions if you're an e-com business how are you engaging properly with your clients and we've covered a lot of these in previous podcast episodes um we then move on to website compliance making sure that you are legit and protected lawfully um on your online presence GDPR, data protection, making sure everything is covered from that um, perspective. And then brand protection, trademarks, copyright and general IP. That's it. And that's what we're coming on to today, guys. So we'll we just hop straight into it. I've got a fair few questions for you. So be prepared. <laughs> she always has a fair few questions. Yes, go for it. I always do. So <laughs> let's start off with, so I thought we'd just say quickly on the brand protection front, we kind of split it into the kind of two, like you did say them there, kind of more three, but like we kind of split it into copyright and trademarks. And today yeah. we're kind of starting off with tra- uh, copyright. So let's get into it. Starting off easy. Sure. What is intellectual property? Intellectual property is your property rights to things that you can't necessarily see and touch, but they're part of the general brand and kind of goodwill of your business. So um, you have copyright and trademarks, you have different types of intellectual property as well as them, but those are the two biggies for most business owners. Um, essentially, intellectual property is is protecting your intellect um, your branding the things you come up with how you work with people what your processes and procedures are um, what you write down on a piece of paper what videos you film all of that kind of stuff is generally speaking your IP perfect and kind of going off of that one you did just cover it there but what different types of IP are there so there's a few so there is the biggies as I said are copyright and trademarks you also have patents now we don't specialize in patents and actually any kind of small law firm that tells you they do I would be a little bit wary of um patents 
to be honest, are dealt with, should be dealt with by specialist patent attorneys. Um, And actually, ignore the word attorney, they're not always actually lawyers even. A lot of the time they'd be things like biomedical science experts or like, I don't know, technology experts, that kind of thing. Um, Because the only real legal part of it is completing the forms. Actually, you really need to be an expert in that field. So we don't deal with patents, but If you have an invention that is brand new, has never been done before, and it brings a benefit to the industry that you're in, that's a really important bit. You can't just create something and it doesn't do anything. It has to have a benefit. Then you should look to speak to a patent attorney and get a patent registered. Now, bear in mind that patents can cost up to like 100 grand and can take five years to get registered. So you might want to consider whether that is appropriate for your business model. Um, but just flagging that in any case. You also have design rights, um, which protect designs you create and are registrable in some countries. But again, I don't think we're going to talk about that today. No, we're not going on to that. We're going more more basic copyright. Um, on the patents one, I feel like people always get... Pa- we're not talking about trademarks today, but I thought we'd just cover it while we're here. I feel yeah. like people always think a patent is a trademark. Yeah, I feel like that's what we yeah. always get. Like People just think, like, oh, I want to patent my business name. That's not the same thing. Yeah. Well, actually, we get it all the way around. So we get, we also get, can I copyright my business name? Which I'm sure we'll delve into today why that doesn't work either. But yeah, I mean, if you just think about it as, and we'll go into this in detail, but copyright is your creations protecting your, what you've put on paper, essentially, in most cases. Trademarks protecting your branding, your name, your logo. It doesn't really protect concepts. It protects branding and and kind of what you're putting out there to the market. And patents protects ideas. It protects inventions. Yeah, that's a really important distinction, I think. So let's move on. Um, So what is copyright and what is copyright protection? So copyright is basically... It's your property as soon as you create it, essentially. So once you create something, you are the automatic copyright owner of it. Now, what I find really interesting about copyright law is that, like, I could draw the same picture as Shannon, but we haven't relied on each other. We haven't spoken to each other about it. We just happen to draw the same picture. We both own copyright in our own drawings, okay? So they don't need to be completely distinct. They don't... There's nothing that says if I own copyright in X, I can't own... Like you, that you can't create something entirely different and they could still conflict. That is still a thing. Um, but the beauty of copyright is that you create it, once you create it, you own it. So once you draw a picture, once you write something down, once you create a process or procedure that you're selling or a fitness plan or anything like that, that is your copyright. Now, you don't register that anywhere. And um, in the US, you can register some copyright interests, but in most countries, you can't register copyright. So it just becomes a case really of telling the world about it. Um, why do you want to do that? Well, if somebody breaches your copyright, if they pinch your stuff and pretend it's theirs, you want it to be really clear to a court of law, if it gets that far, that it was very obvious that it was your copyright and that they didn't create it themselves and that they've used your stuff essentially for their own benefit, for their own business purpose. Now, that is really, really important. When it comes to telling the world about it, you want to think about things like disclaimers, what's in contracts, etc. But I'm sure we'll come on to that in a little bit more detail. We will indeed. I thought while we're talking about like what's copyrightable, Things like your marketing material, that's probably one that's a really kind of apt one for people. Like your marketing material, you know, your guides, your free books and things like that. They're kind of all copyright, aren't they? 
Absolutely. And as I said, they are your copyright as soon as you create them. But you get that extra protection by putting the disclaimer on the bottom. Something that says something like, you can't copy this, you can only use it for non-commercial purposes, you can't give it to third parties, however you want to frame it. Um, often people you'll also see put the little C in the circle. So um, that helps as well. And it, it's an indicator. It's not essential, but it's an indicator to people that this is your copyright and you own it. Yep. So moving on. Um, as a business owner, how can I ensure that my copyright is fully protected? So you say that it's exists as soon as you create it. Do you need to do anything? Tell the world, Shannon. Tell the world. Um, so that means disclaimers. That means sticking writing on documents, creations, pictures, whatever it is, marketing brochures that says that this is owned by you or your company and what people can and can't do with it. Um, they might, you might want them just to be able to view it. You might want them to be able to view and download it and keep it for their own purposes. You might be happy with them using it for kind of internal business purposes as long as they don't pass it off as their own and try and make money out of it. But that's where your disclaimers is really are really, really important. The other way you protect your copyright is through contracts. So when you're pulling together your client contract, you want it to be really clear that what you give your clients remains your copyright and they just have a right to use it. That's in most cases. If you're a consultant that's engaged to create a specific piece of work for a client, that will likely become the client's copyright. But in most cases, if you're a business owner and you're selling your stuff to various people, the copyright has to remain yours. What you create and continue to sell has to stay your intellectual property. Problems, big problems come in when the contract says something entirely different and a business owner without really realizing it because they haven't had their contract reviewed gives away all their IP to a customer and all of a sudden they can't sell it anymore it's a big problem it is do you know what we've had so many kind of copyright horror stories and it's just a case of you know make sure that your wording is right in your contract and like where it has to be because otherwise you literally could be signing over like pretty much everything so yeah be careful yeah, for sure. Absolutely. For sure, exactly. Um, so what is copyright infringement and what are the kind of penalties for it? So copyright infringement is basically when someone takes your stuff and passes it off as their own. Um, normally, there would be some sort of commercial benefit to it. Um, that is kind of what you would need to show anyway if you were bringing a claim for damages. You have to show there's been damage caused. Um, but copyright infringement... You never go straight to court. Nobody really wants to go to court unless you're particularly that way inclined. Um, (laughs) But nobody really wants to go to court. Nobody wants to spend the time and the money, but they still want to protect their rights. So you may want to consider kind of approaching the person, asking them to stop it. If they don't stop it, consider legal letters, that kind of thing, and then taking it to court potentially at a later date if you have to, if earlier measures haven't made sense. Um, That is how you deal with copyright infringement. In terms of penalties, it will depend on the loss caused. Um, So how much damage was caused to you as a business owner because your stuff was pinched. Um, A lot of the time, it would be things like, if Shannon stole my work, how many sales did Shannon make off the back of my work? 10 grand, well, that's 10 grand that realistically I could have made if I'd sold it. So I'd be owed 10 grand is how the court would look at it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, So what can someone do if, you kind of covered it there, you know, like going, doing this, this and this and then going to court. Can you yeah. kind of go a bit more in depth? Like what can you do if someone is doing that to you? Like stealing your contact? Like we, do you know what, I've seen it a lot recently. We see it all the time, but even more recently, we're in a Facebook group 
um, that has a lot of econ businesses in it and it does relate to designs more but a lot of like the marketing material we've seen people like I've literally looked on Instagram they've got the same business name which is separate but they've, they're using all of my kind of marketing material and things like that what do you do in that situation so in that situation I would definitely recommend following our copycats guide I was just gonna say that <laughs> Shannon I'll go into it in detail and I'll explain everybody through it but Shannon where can everyone find the copycats guide yeah so guys this is a really handy guide it pretty much gives you the step by step of what you do if someone's stealing your copyright if someone's using your business name or kind of passing off acting as your business basically um so you can find that at jamesonlaw.legal slash cut dash out dash copycats fantastic well, I'll, I'll give you the summary. Um, but what you basically want to do is, first of all, I would say approach the business owner. Now, this will all depend on the situation, particular circumstances, what's been pinched, how bad it is, the usual legal disclaimers apply. Um, but consider approaching them in a nice, friendly way. It could be accidental. It's often accidental. Somebody thinks that something is fair game and they don't realise. Now, not always. There are some some nasty people out there, but let's always assume the best if we can um approach them calmly nicely and say do you know that you've done this would you consider please taking it down something like you might want to go a little bit harder but that's the kind of gist of it if they don't reply or if they're difficult with you you may want to send another message or you may want to consider at that point instructing a solicitor now a solicitor can draft a cease and desist letter for you which is basically saying cease and desist from doing what you're doing or we will bring legal action what this solicitor can also do is draft a cease and desist letter but it comes from you and that will depend on how you feel about the situation if the person is being really outrageous you might be like let the dogs on them that's fine Um, but if they're like oh well I'll think about it blah 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 you might just want to put it under your name and send that out initially sometimes adding a lawyer's name immediately into the mix can kind of set hairs running and everything can become a huge legal action when it was never intended to be. Um, So that's what I would say. If you don't hear back or if you hear back and the person is being particularly difficult or arguing against it, you then maybe want to consider legal action. Now, sending a cease and desist letter does not mean you have to bring legal action. It just gives you options. Yeah, I think that's a misconception, isn't it? I think like you hear cease and desist and you're like, oh my God, scary, like big lawyers coming in but it doesn't have to be yeah. it's just it's kind of that for want of a better word like scaremongering edge like like Babs was saying there if you start off going in with a lawyer it might seem a bit much if it gets yeah. to a stage where you kind of need the cease and desist having mm-hmm. that lawyer's name you can do the opposite thing kind of like scare them and like oh my gosh and then that makes them take it down and a lot of the time that does yeah. work so yeah for sure absolutely absolutely um so on the kind of note of disclaimers what kind of what do they kind of look like in short, what should you the kind of wording? You don't have to, you know, say everything has been disclaimer, but um, yeah, a roundabout way. Um, so you should have a couple of lines, three max probably, um, unless you're kind of really, really worried about your IP. Um, it would say now this will change depending on the business owner and depending on what they allow the person to do, but it might say something like the content or the materials or whatever. So the content contains the contents contained within this document are the intellectual property of Jameson Law. Um, Jameson Law permits you to take one copy and download one version of this document for your own internal business purposes only. 
you must not transmit, transfer, provide access to any third party or use this material for commercial gain or for any other purpose whatsoever. Something like that. That makes it very clear who owns it, what a person can do with it and what they can't. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cool. Perfect. You just you just made me draft like off the cuff. <laughs> I'm sorry for making you draft uh, contracts on our podcast, Babs. <laughs> Pretty much. So you can put that on the likes of your website and things like that and like your, your guides and stuff. Yeah, like everything you produce. Now, I'm not saying stick a big horrible copyright disclaimer like massively on things so people can always see it. And like for things like posts and Instagram and stuff like that, that's just nobody wants to do that for for places like instagram stick it on like a link tree or something and and have it in there and make it really obvious um otherwise you could have it really small along the bottom of pages or if it's like say a brochure you might just have it on the back page you don't necessarily need to have it on every page i'm not saying do this so that it makes everything look awful um when you're trying to obviously promote and sell your business but just have it in there somewhere yeah that makes sense I keep saying that makes sense sorry but it does <laughs> repeating myself and I'm just making lots of sense just, that's and all. that's the whole point in the podcast so there we go and <laughs> <laughs> um, so on to a bit of a different one mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking from like a social media perspective sharing like google images and things like that like say like I get like a meme a joke from google can I share that how does it work like if I want to share that on my instagram or something like that no 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 like it's low risk right um who who's going to find out about it who is going to see it will the owner see it probably not but they could and you're actually not meant to do it um this is why there's websites like shutterstock and stuff like that that you pay a subscription for because those are royalty free images if you are looking for stuff on google for instance if it's an if it's google images um go into google images search what you're looking for and then change the filters to um i think they change the wording a lot but i think at the moment it's um labeled for commercial reuse and then labeled for commercial reuse with modification now that last one that allows you to change the image um and like do things to it and i don't know maybe add wording on top of it or something like that um but you just kind of need the first one so commercial reuse um if you've filter your search results and then use those images those are royalty free and you're not pinching anyone's stuff now if you nick a picture of the empire state building from google images is anyone going to really care no right who's going who's going to come and look at little old you's instagram account and get upset and go and tell the people that own the empire state building right probably probably (laughs) not anyone but then it just becomes like a risk assessment exercise. Like, is this low risk? Is this high risk? If you go on someone's Instagram account and pick up one of their designs and put it on your page, that is high risk. Very high risk. They're going to find out very easily. And then tell you, get you told. (laughs) You'll get told. You will. Mm. If you're you're not Scottish, it means told. (laughs) It means told. It means told. told. (laughs) Because I think, like, I mean... I've done it. I've posted things where I probably shouldn't have myself and I'll put my hands up. So I think I know it is... you have. I know oh, you have. Don't don't well, give me in trouble, Babs. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like like you were saying, it's just a case of gauging it. And obviously we wouldn't recommend doing it, but um gauge the situation, gauge the risk. The thing with legals that I always try and say to everyone is nothing is no risk, right? So it's it's about working out where your risk tolerance sits and then staying within those boundaries. 
like I work with clients who have a very high risk tolerance. They just don't care and they're happy to take risks as long as it's not major. I have other clients who don't really want to take very much risk at all. And I'm I'm one of them, I have to say. Um, and, and I understand both of those mindsets. And it's just about making the right decisions within what your risk tolerance is. Like nothing you do will have no risk. Um, it's just it's just making sure that the risk level you're taking on sits with you properly. Absolutely. Okay, moving on. So this is kind of more for EU businesses. Um, I remember you bringing this up with me a while back, so I thought I would bring it up. What's kind of the deal with kind of legislation changes in the EU? What kind of legislation what changes? Kind of legis- so I know there was something about like the copyright directive or something like that that you mentioned to me. Yes. I know there's some big changes coming in, so I thought maybe for... Maybe some of our Irish listeners or other EU listeners, if you're out there, if you're listening. Yeah, there there will be copyright changes coming in. At the moment, they're not set in stone. People are still making discussions about it, that kind of thing. And we're still in a little bit of an implementation period, a lead-in period. We will be doing more updates on that. And do you know what I actually think we should do, Shannon? I think we should do a particular episode on it when we're ready to implement. Um, But it will shake things up in terms of the copyright world. Um, Yeah quite considerably yeah. especially for our eu listeners not so much uk you're not in it <laughs> yeah <laughs> brexit you know <laughs> you know the chat okay you know cool so chat. it's kind of just a case of keeping your eyes peeled for some updates yeah 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 i don't know if you do you have anything you want to add no i don't think so i just kind of want to bring it up and make people aware yeah. that there is there are some changes coming to that that i think like copyright you know obviously it's kind of been the same for a long time so i think people oh, probably yeah. aren't aware that it's going to change and it is so yeah, I mean, in the UK, we're working on the Copyright Design and Patents Act from 1988, right? So it has, I mean, that's older than me. Um, <laughs> so I'm definitely older than Shannon. Um, so so not that it's overhauling in the UK, but it is, that it, that's kind of when copyright was last updated across Europe. Um, but the changes that are coming in will harmonise copyright laws across the EU, and it will make it better for small business owners and it's more likely to to bring protection to them um, and to allow them to enforce their copyright rights if someone breaches them but let's yeah let's do that one in a little bit more detail in another episode sounds good well that was pretty much my last question um do you have anything else you'd like to add on the copyright front um i don't think so other than you sound incredibly Aberdonian today. Do Shannon. I? I haven't yeah. been home. I don't know where this accent's coming. I feel like my accent just changes sometimes. Like I, I just, I'll wake up on the day and I'm like, oh, different accent. <laughs> She's talking very Aberdonian today. Like, <laughs> do you know what? Our team here at James Law are always slagging me off for saying library. Library. I don't know how else to say or it. Diary. Or you diary. Or diary. 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 Diary or library. But then I say it she goes library. I just said really posh. Library. Library. Diary. I just can't say it any other way. It's just the she's, accent. She's very northern. She's very I northern. I am. Indeed. <laughs> um, actually, back to the point. Um, I don't think I have anything else to add from a copyright perspective. I think that just the key principles are once you create it, protect it by getting a disclaimer on it. Make sure you don't sign contracts or you don't give out contracts that don't properly protect your IP and probably keep an eye to make sure nobody is pinching. Do a little bit of scanning regularly um, and listen to clients, listen to prospects. Is there any confusion out there? Is there anything you need to keep a handle on? And tell the world. Tell the world you own it. (laughs) Tell the world. I said that once like two years ago and now I just keep saying it all the time. Tell the world. It's just our thing. Like, tell the world. 
Yeah, it's, it's the easiest way to say, it, isn't it? <laughs> it is for sure. It is absolutely. Uh, well, guys, if you have any questions you want to send in, like just to make you aware, if you want any questions covered ever, we're more than happy to cover them on the podcast. So you can email us. By the way. We absolutely said this email wrong the last time, so I do apologise, <laughs> folks. <laughs> we did disclaim it. We said we think this is the email address, but we're not sure. So, yeah, that's fair. So, this time we're going to get it right. I've written it down right in front of me, so it's not wrong. It's legalleveragedlaw at gmail.com. So, shoot your questions to us if you fancy, or on our socials. Like, we're super active, so you can get us there too. Absolutely. Now, there was something else I wanted to mention, um, because we've got a very exciting charity event coming up, don't we, Shannon? We do indeed. Something very exciting and something very, very important and close to our team's hearts. So I'm going to shoot off to Babs and let her explain the situation. Oh, well, feel free to jump in because I'll definitely miss stuff. But um, we're running a charity event starting on the 11th of October. Keep saying September. But the 11th of October, and it'll be running for four days. But um, you'll see a lot of kind of other stuff out about it before that and obviously a little bit afterwards as well um we're raising money basically to kind of for well for charities that really promote the idea of early detection of cancer and we have within the team had you know personal experiences of people um who have not been diagnosed with cancer when they should have been early enough despite trying to be um, and, and then what's happened is unfortunately they've lost their lives. So the reason we've picked 11th of October is because one of my very close friends died almost two years ago now. She was only 30 years old and she had tried to get diagnosed several times with whatever it was that was wrong with her. And by the time anybody actually listened, she was stage four bowel cancer and she died 18 months later. Now, she was an absolute rock star. She was told she had three weeks to live and she lasted 18 months. I mean, she was absolutely incredible. But what we are doing um, from the 11th of October is count your miles for cancer. So the team at Jameson Law and our close friends and anyone else, by the way, who's listening, if you want to get involved, give us a shout. We would love it. The more the merrier. We will all be counting up over a period of four days, Monday to Thursday, as many miles as we can possibly run. And if you really want to, you can walk, but try and run. Um, as many miles as we possibly can to raise as much money for some really good causes. One of the charities that we'll definitely be supporting is Girl Versus Cancer, which 100% is really in line with our mission. It is all about making sure that doctors are asking the right questions and identifying things and raising awareness for this really big problem that's going on. Um, we'll probably give some of the other proceeds to some other cancer charities as well. Um, but as as Shannon said, you know, this is an area that's really close to our heart. So we just wanted to mention it on the, on the podcast because it's something that we really want to create a lot of awareness for. Um, if you would like to donate, do, donate. If you would like <laughs> to donate, um, we would be delighted um, and we're very, very grateful. Um, but it's not just about that. It's about raising awareness for the problem as well. So tell everyone what we're doing, please. And if you want to get involved, also please, please do. Because as I said, the more the merrier. Yeah, please do. You know what? We're going to be posting about this more next week. But if you can share 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 if you can obviously donate we'd massively appreciate appreciate it sorry but like bab said it's really about raising awareness for this like it's it really is close to a lot of our hearts and the team um yeah raising awareness for you know late diagnosis being taken seriously um yeah. when you've got these issues and things like that you know it's so common there's stories we hear it all the time and it's really heartbreaking yeah jordan's story is do you know what um i'll mention this for you babs she used to run 10k before each chemo session is that right 
Yeah, so she always said to her doctors, I can't actually be dying if I can run a 10K before chemo. So she's an absolute legend. As I said, she was a total rock star. Um, so that's why we're doing running as well. <laughs> exactly, that's why it's very apt. So guys, you know what? First of all, I don't run. So this is a big thing for <laughs> me. So if anyone else wants to get involved and doesn't run either, I'm with you there because I'm going to be out of breath running down the street. <laughs> and there's no judgment. Like we have people who are coming on to do this who are ultra marathoners. I'm certainly not at that level, nowhere near, none of us are. So it's just about getting the miles in. It's not about how fast you do it. It's not about competing. It's just about counting up as many miles as we possibly can to raise awareness for what is a really important issue. Exactly. And we've got some team members getting their wee kids involved as well. So it's (laughs) going to be, we're making this massive, guys. It's going to be huge. So keep your eyes peeled if you can share. That'd be brilliant. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. And thank you, Shannon. Thank you for listening, guys. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to hear more about the Legal Leverage Framework and access some free resources, including free guides and trainings, pop over to our website, which is jamesonlaw.legal and click on free resources. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Tune in to our next episode to learn more about how to grow and scale your business the right way.